And welcome to the Old School Podcast, originally conceived to deal with all matter of things related to education. As it happens, we are starting to expand in what might some call a fruitless attempt at ratings. Still, you know, we had sandwiches, we had all the other stuff, we're going to have some history mixed in, um, some sports are going to get thrown in. Uh, so it's all a matter of things. It's a it's a, a veritable plethora of topics that are now at our disposable disposable disposal. Good morning, Herr Doctor Bourgeois. Herr Miller. Herr I called you Herr, Herr Milley. You got me doing it. Herr Miller. Uh, good to Herr see. Herr Miller. Herr Milley. It doesn't matter. You go by my hearing. Hearing aid is falling out. Everything's going wrong now over here. So I refuse to make hearing jokes and. Um, the, <laughs> Those deaf people haven't they suffered enough? Um, yes, <laughs> rid of the deaf penalty. That's what I say. <laughs> There's like five people that probably know Gildner Radner, and, and <laughs> that's in reference to, but um, hey, we just made it through Thanksgiving. Got and you, a lover of all things holidays, I'm kind of curious as to how. What kind of taste did Thanksgiving leave in your mouth? Is it one of uh, reflective joy and gratitude for that which you have? Or have you sunk back into the depths of, of curmudgeonness and irritability and all that's gone? Kind of a master of despair. I think that's that's <laughs> what happens during the holiday seasons. Um um, I feel tense, not unlike the crowd Clay and Liston in '64. <laughs> sure, it brings it on, but uh, no, I, I enjoy the the idea of the holidays. I enjoy it while it's happening. It's 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 fine, but um, I prefer Thanksgiving to all of them. Um, mm -hmm. I like the food and football elements. So what's what's not to like? So do you think you like Thanksgiving more than the others because the others have like these extra things attached to it, be it a religious or secular significance, whereas Thanksgiving is simply being thankful and then eating and watching football? Yeah, I think you said it well. It's kind of you know organic. You just make a meal, people come over, and, and it's fun. But And it's, I guess it's not as... Uh, commercialized maybe it is but um i mean the the, the christmas thing is, is a is a hot mess and, and i i think we we need to stop uh, just put an end to it right now so you're telling me that in the next couple of days if not if it's not already happened that the burgess household will not be gathered around old tannenbaum carefully decorating lovingly remembering and sharing thoughts and recollections of days gone by um there there, there will be a treat i think it's we're going to wait till we're all here because that's a more of a tradition but but no we, we don't do it on the day after thanksgiving that's a little little too soon certainly it has to be in december but i like a, a very short life span of the christmas tree Maybe a week before Christmas, and then the day after, chop it down. That's my my thought. So you don't buy the thought that the appropriate time for the Christmas tree is starts the weekend after Thanksgiving and goes through Epiphany. Epiphany? I have one of those every day, Herr Miller. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, though. I mean, the notion of the end of the Epiphany. Season that's that that's the kind of the uh, the ending officially of the Christmas time. Yeah, we, we've, you're not buying it. We've never gotten out our lectionary or um, liturgical calendar to decide when we put the <laughs> the tree not to the street anymore, but up in the attic because you know, we don't make real trees here in Texas. Apparently, I don't know. I saw uh, saw some trees over there at Central Market. Really, like a thousand dollars each. I don't know how much they were, but I mean, I saw trees. I mean, so uh, I'm saying they can be had if you uh, really wanted to go au naturel, uh, in my best Texan French there, au naturel, you could, get a, you could get a real tree. I was known during my teaching days for not celebrating anything, particularly Christmas. And my kids wanted Oton and Balm. They wanted to sing songs. They wanted 
crafting and stories of what's Christmas like in Germany. And I, 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 I was talking about the subjunctive and, you know, <laughs> the and, and increasing our ability to speak the language. So I, they were shocked. I just kept going. Even I'm shocked. The, yeah. During the, the, I mean, when everybody's celebrating the holiday, just, we just keep going. That's what we do. I, I say I'm shocked. I'm not really shocked. Um, mainly because I do something akin to that from a historical point of view, or I did um, the, the pleas for parties fell upon deaf ears. Uh, <laughs> not a joke now. <laughs> of course, I actually yeah. have deaf ears. <laughs> but back in those days, my hearing was a little bit better and I didn't hear it anyway. So, but, um, but no, it, well, it, you could be worse. My grandmother, yeah. who my, my, my maternal grandmother, who I affectionately, and I think by law was required to call granny, she would actually be taking down the ornaments as we were opening gifts. So ready was she to be done with the whole damn thing. That's right. Now, on the other end of that spectrum, I remember Christmas, uh, well, I don't, well, Christmas of 90, I was in the Gulf on a ship in Christmas of 90. And I, you know, the typical mood is that somebody would get some kind of sap sucking kind of Christmas gobbledygook and sent to them, you know, usually with like, um, I'll be home for Christmas. You know, someone would have the would deign to play that song and they would get pelted by everybody in my group because no one wanted to hear Christmas songs, you know, that sort of thing. When I got back home from the Gulf and I got back home, I think it was like the end of March, beginning of April, I think it was. My mother had, God, God rest her soul, my sainted mother. My mother had left the Christmas tree up. Because she wanted me to experience Christmas. My father, I remember my father saying, I'm so glad you're home. We can get rid of that damn tree finally. <laughs> That's very good. I, I think even my mother was getting tired of it, you know. But uh, uh so I've seen the I've seen the gamut. The Christmas tree left up way too long, and then the one taken down as we were opening gifts. So there you go. That's a that's a, a great story and a new one. I didn't I I, I didn't know that you pelted each other during the Gulf War. Um, <laughs> well, just when someone was being overly schmaltzy or just sentimental, you know, about Christmas, and usually it was in the form of like someone reading a letter from home or someone getting like, you know, we would get these care packages that were just sent to like any serviceman. Yeah. And so, you know, around Christmas time, I think we got a, someone in our group got a, got a package that had VHS of, um, of, um, um, Oh heck! What's the name of the Jimmy Stewart movie? It's a Wonderful Life. It's a Wonderful Life. So it's a Wonderful Life. You know, a Christmas story. You know, things of things of that ilk. Oh, what a nice gift! So, say again. What a nice gift! Very, very thoughtful. It's very thoughtful. It's a very nice gift, and I would never disparage the sentiment that went behind the gift. It's just that when you're sitting in a birthing area in a ship, sitting in the middle of the Persian Gulf. That's just not what you want to think about. There's no reason to purposefully depress yourself. And so we just wouldn't tolerate it. And we would, and I can't, I really can't handle I'll be home for Christmas to this day. I can't handle that song. And so um, my wife understands there's like a very small, narrow window of songs that I will tolerate. And thankfully she's kind enough to stick to those, but uh, there you go. Thank you for that, Herr Miller, and thank you for your service <laughs> during that, that important time of our history. Yeah. Well, what we're going to do today is we're going to delve into the much anticipated, much talked about, but yet to this date never discussed realm of sports. Now, we've talked about sports in a kind of academic sense. We talked about sports relative to, you know, <laughs> athletic programming and athletic funding as far as the school district goes and, and that sort of thing. But today we're going to take a step away and we're going to take a look at something that has been gripping uh, the nation, has engendered millions of debates, split families, pitted brother against brother, and that has to do with some of the new rules that some of our favorite sports are now saddled with. And we start with what some people erroneously call the new national pastime, 
which we all know is not true, football. What George Will said was the combination of the two worst aspects of American life, <laughs> violence punctuated by committee meetings. <laughs> and, uh, we have football. And so, um, so what is irking you about football? That's a that's a long answer to that, Terry Miller. <laughs> we should take them one at a time. Rest of the day. <laughs> I thought we were going to jump right into the designated hitter, but um, that's, that's well, we'll do that with baseball. My turn. To, uh, okay, you... so we're, do we're doing football. Um, okay. Well, uh, I don't even want to talk about this. They call it a tush push. You know, it's not even a rule. They should. It's like the one time where they need to regulate, but they don't. You know, it's the idea that they line up for a fourth down and nothing basically and they have a quarterback sneak but then they have about four people behind them pushing the line forward you know philadelphia eagles um they're known for it and and i every time it happens i, I have to just walk away i think is this football is this rugby whatever it is you you need to legislate against it because it, it has to stop I'm probably not in, as inherently upset about it as you are, although it does. I mean, if you're an Aussie, uh, if you are a Brit or an Irishman or a New Zealander, you probably do recognize the play because that, that's a big part of what uh, rugby enthusiasts call a try, you know, an attempt to try to get past the line. Right. Uh, but And so it does enter into the realm of another sport, which in and of itself is cause for concern and cause and you know, for reflection on whether it's a good idea. But there's also something about it that suggests that the person is not getting on through their own efforts. They are. Now, granted, yeah, you're, football, you're right. is a football is a team sport and everyone plays their role, but ultimately everyone also performs their own duty. They're not helped necessarily. And so the notion of someone who scores a touchdown by the only factor of a bunch of people crushing them into it doesn't make a lot of sense doesn't seem very sporty that's what it is yeah that quarterback just needs to hold on to the ball which is important um i mean it, it sounds dangerous but so far no one's been sandwiched in and crushed eventually it'll happen um because they'll design technology or some type of a defense uh, specific to that but right now they, there's nothing they can do um and they just kind of roll in and they get two yards and and there's a cloud of dust um but I, I i find it upsetting um and and normally it's also a rushed play not not rushing running the ball but i mean they hurry up <clears throat> so they get down to the two yard line and then bam there's no huddle no committee meeting they just get there and they're in that formation and they right. and then the celebration and, and I'm going to put that on my list. Oh, I did celebrations. I don't like those either. Um, we'll, we'll talk about celebrations here in a second. But yeah, um, yeah. But, uh, but you see, so it's kind of cheating. It's like doubling down on cheating in a way. As far as the just the whole idea of the game that you know we're going to do this play that's kind of uh, tripped up to begin with, but we're going to do it before anybody's set up. And sure, just take your touchdown, big deal. But it, it, I don't. I'm not going to celebrate it. I don't care if, if the team I'm rooting for does it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to boo. I'm actually going to boo. Now, it has been said that the first step of wisdom is seeking to understand. Yes. Can you, can you construct for yourself a rationale that must have been thought of that led to the allowing of this play? Well, it, it probably happened in the middle of a season, so they couldn't change the rules halfway, and then they didn't think to... Uh, to change it but but in, i think the closest um rule uh, to that is is during a field goal or extra point where the defense is certainly allowed to jump and try to block it but they can't stand on the butt or back of their own players and jump up because they they try they can't, they can't catapult themselves right. as it were yeah so this is the offensive lines version of, of catapulting um just like you said it's not their own effort they're standing on the backs of others and jumping an extra two feet it's a, it's unfair and this is similar so it's it's not sporting and the teams that don't do it i applaud them they 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 run the ball they they they, they do a quarterback option something um a play but they don't just you know brute force do that so here here to those those teams that, that just won't do it out of principle 
I think one of the things that's going to be mentioned by those who listen to this podcast, and they're probably saying it now, and that is you're just an old man who doesn't like how you just got to let the kids play, Steve. You just have to be able, you have to, you know, it's times change, new rules, new generation. Uh, we we just we just don't like your kind around here anymore. We just <laughs> we're, we're going to go our own way. Is it possible? And it's going to come. It's going to become even more apparent your your and mine uh, parent age as we scoff at some of these things you're about to bring up. But is it possible that this all comes down to us just being old and we don't like it because it wasn't around in the seventies? <laughs> We've grown too old and inflexible. We've outlived our usefulness. <laughs> Is it possible that you too, we too, you and I? Yes. I think, um, Herr Miller, the, the problem of this is that in NFL football, they, they get the ideas. It's not a grassroots thing. It starts at the NFL level. You're going to see high school and middle school teams doing this play. Uh, you want to see that? And because they're going to do it. I mean, they're already planning it. You know, they're a little bit slow. They may not have done it this past season, but next season, football high school teams are going to be running that play. Uh, they'll probably get four or five yards because they don't really know how to tackle. And it, it could just be the only play. They'll just run it every every play. That'll be it. That's the game. A bunch of clouds of dust going down the field. See, what I actually happens. think you didn't go. I actually don't think you went far enough. It could be that this. Push, push. Is that what we're calling it? Um, I, 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 I'm not going to say that word again, but I, I looked up in an article and it, it used that. <laughs> I, 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 it doesn't really capture it. It's just whatever it is. It's a illegal quarterback sneak is what I'm going to call it. Well, what it sounds like is it sounds like any five to seven year old touch football or flag football game where they just kind of go on mass in one particular direction. It's like we've yeah. reverted back to now. I don't plan on going to any middle or high school football games anytime soon. I have a daughter and unless she's willing to be a groundbreaker and be like the next girl that was a kicker at a high school game one day, I don't imagine that I'll go to any more high school football games than I've already been to. Wow. Certainly not middle school football. I mean, that's just ridiculous. Then, so I'm not worried about seeing it, but I do question the sportingness of it. Exactly, um, and the fact that, like I said, we basically reverted back to flag football or the early years of uh, football where they didn't have helmets. They did a lot of stuff like that. I mean, it was ugly. It was an ugly sport. Well, it was more akin to rugby. Yeah, that's it. That's it. All so, right. So, what's the next one? Well, yeah, I didn't think we should have even dignified this. I brought it up just to <laughs> just to be funny. Um, yes, but I I think you know replays have been going on for a very very long time. Um, have they been on for fifteen years, something like that, on television where they do the replays? Yes. And, um, but they don't have it in every sport, or do they? Do they have replays in baseball? And, yes. Okay, so that I mean they breached that one, and that, I never thought that would happen. But um, do they have it in basketball? Yeah, yeah. So they've, they've decided that the technology and 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 we may have mentioned this before, but it, it, it's it's ruining society. Um, that rule. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> Replay is ruining society or technology yeah. in general. Well, that, but I don't want to take such broad strokes, but. It's ruining society uh, because the, <laughs> the person in authority, the the official, they're immediately questioned. I mean, what's going on in that poor official's mind when they're reviewing their play, you know, and they're looking, at, you know, at, at such detail? They, they made a call, they did the best call they could, and suddenly people in New York or whoever's looking at it, they're going to be overruled. And they're perfectly, they seem perfectly fine with it. Oh, yeah, I might have missed that one. And they're missing a lot of them. I mean, it, it seems like the athletes are so good now, particularly with catching the ball, that you know they do some incredible things. And the more you look, the more you think, wow, the athlete actually did it. Um, but but something's always lost, right, with this type of technology. And it's it's the whole soul of the game. Uh, that, that Because suddenly there is no immediate celebration. People are kind of waiting. And, and you used to just get mad at the ref. That's all. 
you know, right. right or wrong call, but the, the flow of the game stops. They have a TV commercial. You know, then they come back. And so something, I mean, I think we lost more than we gained on that one. That's my humble opinion, and it's ruining society. I wouldn't so much go so far as to question the soul of the game in reference to football, because I don't feel the need to speak poetically about football, because there's no poetry in it. Oh, come on. Uh, no sense, no sense injecting that. it into it, but uh, shoehorning it in, as it were. No, no, but, NFL films. They, I mean, that's beautiful. Come on. That's John Lucinda, and that yes. was like 50 years ago. <laughs> so <laughs> The Raider was pillager. <laughs> but um but no i think the issue i think the problem is is that what replay has done it i i liken it to the technology that we have seen in cars so cars have done a lot of things to kind of help you back up and yet people have gotten worse at backing up because what they do despite the fact that the backing up camera says yeah please check your surroundings yeah they don't check their surroundings. They just plow through. And if it's not in the camera, then in their mind, it doesn't exist. And so in the same way that technology and cars have de-skilled yes. drivers, mm -hmm. I think replay has de-skilled referees and umpires. And it's made them worse at their jobs. And may, Now, what people will do is they'll look, see, they're so bad at their jobs, they need replay. I would suggest to you that they have the cause and effect turned around. Yeah. I would say that the technology happened first. That's the cause. The effect is that these guys are worse at their jobs because then they can just say anything and it doesn't matter because if it's wrong, it's going to be overturned by replay anyhow. You know what I'm saying? So I think for, you know, for me, it has more to do, not so much with kind of more grandiose notions, but it more has more to do with just the functionality of the position of umpire or referee. They're worse at their jobs because of replay. Totally agree. And and you should run the next play. And that's, I mean, sort of they keep that in place. That once you run right. another play, the pass is passed. Um, but I'm saying that the pass should be passed right when that uh happens. I mean, even on the playground, you know, we 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 would sometimes argue about a call or I mean, we're basically making our own calls at that point. I caught it, no, you didn't. And then you keep playing. <laughs> you know, you don't like take 10 minutes and bring in you know, people with video, it's just stupid. You play the game. Um, but you know, fans, here, here's what it here's what it's done. The the okay. fan is suddenly the, the expert because they're we're we're watching these and everybody's a lawyer looking at this, this, this. The fans have their cell phones out in the stands now watching that that play up up close and and they're expect there's something just pernicious. I don't know what it is. I hope I got that word right. That <laughs> suddenly everybody is questioning the authority. And and it just continues and continues. So and it's just a it's just a game. It's just a sport. And there's a call. It's right or wrong. It's it's overkill. You know, bring in bring in the attorneys, bring in the DNA scientists. You know, whatever it is, it's, they take it too far. They take it too far. Um, maybe. Do you, think, do you think it has more to do with the fact that you, as a Packer fan, and me as a Raven fan or a Colts fan? have not been adequately scarred by the effects of a bad call. You talk to Saints fans, and Saints fans have got a grudge against refs and, by proxy, the NFL, that could start a small religion. I'm, I would be surprised if some Saints fans did not have some sort of altar in their house where they where they burnt incense to the great god Jabu or whoever, you know, it's uh, from uh, Major League, you know, but they, they would sacrifice a bucket of chicken, you know, just make sure that their team does not suffer anymore. Do you think it, it may have something to do with the fact that we have never egregiously been affected by a bad call? No, no, I disagree. It's a philosophical issue. Uh, people are generalizing, you know, the, the poor Saints fans. I do feel for them, but they're they're talking about one moment and one call. Yes, it happened at a crucial time, and but but every play had its moments, you know, that led up to that. And and yes, it's a significant moment if you if you deconstruct it, but it's within yes. the context of all these different plays. And and in every play, every play on a pro football field, there are penalties constantly. Mm -hmm. There's holding, 
every play you could call it or not. You know, why, you know, defensive backs, the interference, you just, you could throw that flag every play. Everything. They're hitting yes. past five yards, throw the flag. Offensive, you know, pass interference, every, so there are penalties, hundreds of them, you know, during every play. <laughs> and, and and so I, I think at some point we need to just make one call and, and play the game. But, but if, I mean, what's, what's, going to happen next you're going to do one play and then you're going to take a day and look at all these different things i mean which how do you make a decision because you're missing penalties and you're calling them wrong and it's just a mess and, and it's all because of the technology do you think that the fact that there are calls that could be made in every play makes the calls that are made even more specious and yeah. therefore lends credibility to the notion of instant replay or what have you because we are dealing with variables here that are far beyond our control. Yeah. It's it's just like a teacher, you know, where they write a test and then they, I mean, they write bad tests to begin with. And and, and suddenly they're giving a kid a 70 or 69.4 based upon a, some really bad questions. Right. Um, but they're, they're generalizing from some one little event. Um, but so the technology, if it, is going to be applied fairly you know should be applied across every scenario and so eventually it's going to be you have the the ai technology where it's just going to call the game <laughs> you know <laughs> we had 15 penalties on this play run it over again and you're never going to get past a kickoff <laughs> pretty soon ai will just play the game yeah, there, there it is. Computer will play the game. You know? Yeah, and I, and I never, ever, ever use hyperbole. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> the only way to win is not to play, in the words of the computer on uh, War Games. I don't know if you remember that film, Matthew Broderick. Uh, yes. Great classical film about technology run amok. The film was about... Um, what's your next one? Oh, I was going to say the film was about Ali Sheedy, not Matthew Broderick. Oh, <laughs> well, there's that too. Yes. Um, um, well, I, I think I'm picking ones that position us as curmudgeons. I think that's the whole well for it here. Um, so for a while, they had rules about excessive celebration, and yes, you know, some people made a touchdown. They did stupid ass stuff, and and sometimes they got groups together. As soon as they got a group together. This looks choreographed. It was, the Washington, it was the Washington Redskins that did that, started yeah. that. Yeah, the fun bunch or whatever the hell they were called. Fun bunch, and they're in a semicircle or whatever they were doing. Yeah, so so great. So some so they legislated that you shouldn't do that. And you know, I believe that you score a touchdown. Yes, you act like you've been there before. You hand the ball to the official. That's a I mean, that would be a rarity. You're not gonna jump up and down. I mean, coaches actually want you to celebrate with your with your players to somehow you need a little bit more adrenaline in a football game um, <laughs> but but what happened what would happen if there was a team that just scored handed over walked to the field and played the did the next play um but suddenly the the people complained you know the people watching it and said well wait a minute you keep flagging them um whatever reason uh, they had they wanted to see this so so now they they've legislated that you you should celebrate and the more the merrier so they they have this organic celebration like you, you jump up and down you scored a really great play and then suddenly the guy stops and he makes some gestures and calls everybody in and they they line up and they do something they practice beforehand that's not a celebration i mean it's it's, it's time yeah and practice <laughs> yeah but i mean what there's they've lost it they lost the moment you know i think what i think what a lot of it is is that it's like eight-year-olds you give them an inch and they'll take a mile right. and so for every fun harmless little thing like the fun bunch getting around doing yeah. whatever they were doing you got someone like terrell owens who decides he's going to go to the center of star and of football and it doesn't matter whether someone else comes up and hits him uh it just makes it seem all the more petty and both the initial act and then the retaliation and then all of a sudden the retaliator is considered a cultural hero you know he dared sacrifice and sacrilege the star as if the star <laughs> apparently through the hole in the roof of the stadium yeah. bestowed upon the cowboys from god the star you know it just it's it's just it's just ludicrous 
And, you know, if, if you could say all the celebration, if you allowed it, would be contained with guys jumping into each other's arms and hugging sure. each other, high-fiving, I think most people would be okay with that. Yeah. But for every one of those, you get some knucklehead like Terrell Owens or you like know, somebody years else. Ago. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> but, uh, but now people like taking pictures, like, you know, pantomiming, taking photographs of their That's teammates and, uh, yeah, or, funny. you know, who knows? I don't, I don't know. like you it. Know, but, you, but they have, there's a rule against taunting. And I like that rule too. If you knock somebody down, you don't just stand over them. That's taunting, you know? Yes. Um, so the, isn't that celebration a form of taunting? I mean, what, the other team has to sit and watch that. I mean, they probably, I, I'd like to see what they do. They just probably turn their back and say, this is going to be stupid. I know I'm not watching. Well, you know the age-old retort to that. If you don't want them celebrating, yeah, don't let them, don't let them score. Whereas the taunting, like standing over somebody after yep. they've made a three-yard catch, you know, that seems excessive and that seems silly. And that's, that's also not a byproduct of anything the defense did or did not do. Whereas the touchdown could be. And some people will throw that out there. They'll say, well, you don't want them to celebrate. You shouldn't let them score, you know? Um, yeah. I, I don't know. Like, I mean, the, the idea of a spike, it, it fits in with the culture of football. That's great. You you score, you hand it off to the official, or you spike it. Those are your two options. It's not the fun ones to start. It. Now it dawned on me. Billy White Shoes Johnson's. You remember him dance, played for the, the zone? Again, that's like dance. He, he did years spike ago. And he did a dance. And he, <laughs> <laughs> he had a great dance, though. He moved his legs in. Uh, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, that was exciting. But, uh, but it was just him. You know, he didn't bring in everybody, and they didn't plan it out ahead of time. It's more organic simpler time but i think the nfl now at the risk of at the time they were referred to as the nfl stands for the no fun league yes i i think they i think they have kind of tried to walk the or they tried to i guess they've given up on that now too they've tried to walk the line between what is spontaneous celebration and what is choreographed celebration and it was the choreographed celebration they were going after but now apparently it's a no holds bar it's, it's, it's just bad um it, it it upsets me and um it's like why can't we have a sport like baseball where the, everything's just like it was in the 1930s <laughs> well, 40s i mean there have been some good changes and bad changes apparently according to you um yes but yeah i, I, I think I, the I one gotta, holdover yeah what is it what's the holdover i think the one holdover uh, is ice hockey I think ice hockey, and it's interesting because people have, many people have kind of made this, uh, made this observation that because the majority of hockey players come from, um, I don't know, you know, more rural background where it's more hardworking and it's not about showing each other up or what have you. Although the next argument then is that has other overtones to it that's not quite pleasant. But I think the notion is that hockey has always had kind of this sense of not being over the top. I think Alex Ovechkin of the Capitals was like the first one that was sitting there doing like, you know, you know, pantomime shotgun shots with his stick after he scored a goal or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or, or dropping the stick and warming his hands over it because it's so hot. You know, his stick is so hot. But, no, <laughs> but I think I think a lot of times when people when people go after celebration, they will compare it to hockey. I think hockey is starting to kind of get go down that road, although they're still, I think, way behind compared to the other leagues. But right. I do think, and again, yeah, I guess we're old, but I, I can't help but think that it has a subliminal lesson to the celebrant about their opponent. And that it's not a positive one. It's not a good one. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's not. It's not respectful. Um, I mean, you see, aren't there rules in baseball? I'm trying to transition to the more genteel sport. You know, <laughs> where you can't like do a bat flip. I see nothing but black bat flips now. Am, am I missing that? No. Well, what's changed is the manner in which uh, "quote unquote" bad behavior is dealt with. 
Okay. Um, you had one more thing, I think, didn't you? With football, or are you done with football? Um, I, I, I think I'm, I'm I'm really completely done with it. I'm I'm, I'm still oh, upset about this, okay. but but done I think football, the, you know, the celebration is a good transition because it it's sort of common to to these other sports. Now, here's the thing to have with baseball, and this was not going to be one of my ones, but it's certainly worthy of talking about, and that yeah. is um, one of the things that have gotten the most play, as it were, is the bat flips mm-hmm. and the watching of a hit. Now, we don't have... Well, a, not nearly a hit. Usually I mean, watching of a home run. So we have some listeners in one or two in Europe. They may not know what a bat flip is. You might want to explain that. Oh, basically, it's just after you've hit a home run, a clear home run, you flip the bat off into the distance. Uh, a lot of times it can be towards the direction of the home team, because usually the bat flip only becomes an issue when the visiting team does it in someone else's park. That's generally when you hear it talked about the most, although oh, I didn't there are exceptions. Yeah. But the thing about the bat flip and the thing about staring at a home run that you just hit. Too long, yeah. You know, nowadays, nowadays, the argument is let the kids play. You know, Let the kids play. Let them show their exuberance or whatever the case may be. But here's what used to happen. Let's take ourselves back to 1975. Thank goodness. Okay. 1975. It's uh, It was a better year for many reasons, maybe. Uh, <laughs> but... but uh, but in 1975, some Joe Schmo hitting for the Orioles is playing the Angels, and Nolan Ryan is pitching, and he hits a home run off of Nolan Ryan, and he sits there at home plate for about five seconds, watching it soar majestically out of the park. Yeah. Now, what a lot of pitchers would do was basically start yelling at them from the moment they left the batter's box. Right. Ryan wouldn't have done that, but both pitchers, both the yeller and Ryan, the next time that guy was up, the first pitch goes into the guy's side or goes into the guy's back or goes into his hip or his leg or something like that. Yeah, it has to. Yes. And so it becomes a it becomes an organic enforcement that says certain things are allowable and certain things are not. Certain yeah. things are considered sportsmanlike and some things are not. I like it. And I think what I think what you see in baseball and what you've seen in football for years is a kind of a refashioning of what it means to be sportsmanlike. Mm-hmm. And so, um, whereas before, dancing around like a fool in the end zone would have been considered unsportsmanlike, now it's considered creative and you're just letting the young guys play and all this other stuff. But I can't help but think that a couple of things have happened. And this has also happened in hockey. You know, in hockey, there has been a drastic reduction in fights. And I will admit, I was a fan, you know, the Capitals came into existence, I think it was in 75 or 76, and that's when I started following the Capitals. You know, we had a team called the Baltimore Skipjacks. It was kind of an East Coast hockey league, and that was a goon league like no other. And so, I mean, you had fighting all up and down. I mean, you had guys that were on your team specifically to fight. And I think the natural enforcement kept a lot of silliness at bay. Okay. And it was a silliness that everyone, I guess, outside the person being silly, kind of agrees to. And then you suffer the consequences if you chose to do it. Baseball had it, pitcher had it. Although the batter would say the pitcher had no direct, you know, consequence for their action, unless, of course, they were in the National League. Oh, they, the pitcher's well, they we'll talk about that in a second. They storm so, the mound. That's that's what they storm the mound. Yeah, they get just storm the mound too. But um, you know, so I think there's kind of like a it's kind of a multifaceted cause and effect relationship here, where the celebration has gotten the way it's gotten because players are not allowed to kind of govern the sport themselves. Everything has to be litigated. Everything has to be arbitrated, and so therefore you don't have some of the more hard asses on the on the mound or in the bullpen or in the dugout that you used to have so uh, after a baseball game i'm showing my ignorance but the winning team gets on the field and they all shake hands with themselves basically with the people who aren't yes. on the field so is, is that new or has that been around forever 
they also they've always congratulated themselves. Right. They do not they do not intermingle with the other team. Isn't that now, weird? I mean, they don't do I that in hockey or baseball. They never. I mean, they don't. Now with hockey, better. with hockey, they never do it unless it's the last game of a playoff series. Then the two teams meet in kind of like a line, right? And they shake hands at the end of the last game of a playoff series. But not in a regular season game. They don't see no. each other unless no. it's in the parking lot or something. <laughs> something like so, but um, you know, so it's you know, there there's a lot here that you know we complain about the celebration, but. It was it worked hand in hand with some other stuff that kept that from taking place, and that stuff is just not around as much anymore. So, what else about baseball? I, I mentioned a little bit about technology. Has that invaded uh, the diamond as well? What well, has? And in in and I think you know baseball was already starting to stretch its its boundaries a bit as far as time-wise goes. And of course, a lot of the peers talk about baseball as a timeless game, both literally and figuratively. Right. Uh, but the, 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 the kind of the, um, the instant replay thing kind of made it worse as it does with all the sports, you know, right. they sit there and try to figure out how do you keep our games from being four hours long, you know? And so what baseball did is baseball kind of, in, you know, and, and the, the effect of, instant replay is not unlike what we talked about with football. And so what baseball decided, decided to do was to do various actions to try to curtail it. The first has to do with pitch count. Okay. So, you know, the, the idea that you have not pitch count, but pitch timer, right. That you have like 15 seconds to throw a ball. If there's no one on base, you have 20 seconds to throw the ball. If there is someone on base and you can certainly suggest that that seems rather overly regimented and, and kind of micromanaging but if you were a baseball fan you also knew that pitchers had a remarkable ability to waste an inordinate amount of time right before in between pitches i mean you and i could have discussed you know treaties you know in between pitches um uh, so long was the time in between and of course batters would sit there in kind of an ocd fashion constantly tighten and retighten their batting gloves they hit their cleats with their bats you know what have you step out, a of bunch of stupid, step out of the box walk around <laughs> you could see him staring up at the sky going i'm gonna do you know and and i always thought in my head i had a friend of mine i used to shoot pool with and he said you think long you think wrong and you can you couldn't help but wonder if maybe this law should be even placed in baseball. Right. And so I am actually a big fan of the, of the more recent changes because I thought it was absurd that the average game was over three hours long. Now the average game is like 245, at least in this past season it was. But um, things like, you know, the, the pitch clock, there's another thing about long, larger bases to kind of encourage more steals. I mean, it's only they're only increasing it by like two inches on either side. Who cares? I mean, I don't think that that's that's going to sacrifice the sanctity of the stolen base. Yeah, but is that uh, new? I it mean, does the, make it a little bit more exciting. But the base, I mean, there are certain things in this world that have never changed. You know, the distance between home plate and second base, right. and home plate and the mound. But you're saying that they changed the bases. Slightly, it's a slight enlargement of the base to try to encourage more base stealing, and also they say to make it safer. Although I find that a little bit dubious, but um, but you know that was the kind of the rationale used for it. So, what about record books? I mean, the does that even matter anymore? But but I mean, you change the ball or change a lot of little things, and these records get blown away. Well, it's the biggest thing that people talk about with regards to baseball is mm -hmm. statistics. Right. Because baseball, perhaps more easily than any other sport, can compare itself to itself. Right. So that you could look at someone like Ty Cobb mm -hmm. and look at his batting, and you, you say uh, he hit 383 in 1911. And then you look at the, the great amount of batters today most of which cannot crack 270 right. or 275 and so there is a comparison there and i think it it is a fair compare it's a fair thing to bring up 
you know, how do you how do you compare a current player from a past player? In most other sports, they don't even try. No. Because the 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 it's apples and oranges. But in baseball, because it's more or less the same sport, you can more easily do it. So, and so the- anytime there's any kind of change suggested in baseball, yeah, records come up. People go crazy. Who was pitching to Ty Cobb, by the way? Well, Christy Matheson was pitching to Ty, jo- Ty-, Ty Cobb. Walter, Math- uh, Walter Johnson was. Walter Johnson, a name I've heard. So did Walter Johnson throw over 100 miles an hour? Uh, well, they didn't have that kind of technology to kind of measure that. It is thought that he did well over 100 miles. He almost had like a slingshot kind of uh, motion that he did. And Ty Cobb, considered the greatest hitter in baseball history, said that Walter Johnson was the only guy he was slightly intimidated by because so fast did he throw. And he 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 measured the pitches that he got from Johnson, not by the speed, but by the sound that it made. In and Cobb was a meticulous observer of pitchers and their tendencies or what have you. And he had a fairly keen ear to be able to pick up just how fast something was going simply wow. by the sound of it. It's impressive. I, I, I do like the consistency of that. So they've tried to be, I mean, they have lots of good conversations about changes in technology and they think about the good of the game in addition to the viewing experience. It's always a conversation. It's always a debate. Mm-hmm. As it should be. As it should, And we talked about this like in general. Every time technology enters into the mix, there should be a question. What problem is this fixing? Right. Is ideally like the first question that should be coming up and just being discussed. Whereas in a lot of sports, just like with education, all technology is good technology. Baseball has always been a bit more measured with their introduction of that. So I've been wondering, I mean, I I know you don't like that little television thing where they show where the the frame of where the strike zone is and where the ball hits um uh, often i can't even see the ball same thing with the puck and so i, I always liked it when they did that in hockey as well um, <laughs> you're just shaking your head but the red bull but the real question i have is that they're they it's out of the box i mean the, let's face it that machine can call the pitch more accurately than that that umpire who's trying to look around the catcher and um, has that big thing on his chest and a mask. So they could actually get a more accurately called game, but they they won't do it. They're going to stick with the the umpire for how much longer? How long? much longer is that guy going to hold out? It is a point of great consternation because it has been the, the computer ball and strike caller has been introduced at lower levels. And um, the umpires, I would imagine, the umpires in their association would be most vociferous in their objections to it. It's their whole livelihood. Well, yeah. And so I, I don't feel the need. And, and, this is, and this is like a general kind of social thing. And that is this desire for everything to be perfect. Right. As the great pianist Thelonious Monk said, perfect is boring. I, I find no value in perfection. And so for me, it's more about the intent of the individual is the intent of the individual to get it right. Are they trying their darndest to get it right? And are they are they good at their job? And if you're good at your job and you're doing your best to try to get it right, I think that that should stand on its own, certainly just as much as you stand for, on its own for the players. I don't know why the players are not asked for perfection, but somehow the umpires are supposed to be. Really? And so, and so for me, I think there's, I think there's kind of larger implications here that may be moving this conversation the way it's going. Yeah. But as I said, it's being argued in baseball. So you have to draw, draw some lines. I mean, they do have replay in, in baseball, but it's usually for calls of the plate or something like that, or on a base, but, but they're not going to overrule a pitch. They do, uh, the replay does not impact right balls and strikes you cannot yeah. use that for that purpose yeah because and once they, that happens uh i mean i it could be immediate it's just like they do in tennis you know on the, on the grand slam major events they, they 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 the player can challenge a call and then they get it immediately they're very fast and nobody makes a big deal about it 
So potentially the it could be seamless, you know, but you would have to question the call and you get like three of them or something, maybe. But that so that I think it could be limited, but I don't like it at all, honestly. I, I think that there's something great about being mad about the call, you know, and the manager comes out there and kicks dirt and all of that. You know, that that's the that's what the game's all about is the struggle. This yeah, that's right. It's not it's not easy and unless the the are they called refs? umpire whatever whatever they are baseball that, yeah yeah they are um, attacking and trying to hurt a team from their chances of, of winning usually they don't right. really care um you know you're gonna miss you miss some and get some right you know and and, and that's the way it should be I, you know thinking about tennis of course i am not a watcher of tennis i think the only times i have watched it there's been a question about a call it was my understanding that tennis had two line judges and then they had the guy in the chair or the lady in the chair, right? <laughs> was that, was that, was that, for, you know, in the seventies, was that not the sole arbiter of what was in, what was out? Yeah. They had a, a, people. You know, quite, you know, they were surrounded by line judges and somebody calling the net and so forth, but, but suddenly the technology can do that, but they're still there. So still, they're still making the call, but then if it's challenged, the, machine comes in right but I'm, but I'm sure it's the same thing they've tried it with the machine calling everything and once again that's there's something always lost when when you, you're taking the humanity out of it and i think before people think that this is kind of like a pointless conversation oh, no. it's not if you're a sport if you're not a sports fan then yes it is a pointless conversation and you're but, probably asking yourself why have you listened for this I disagree. Long, but no no <laughs> Because you're about to make the connection to the to the greater world here, and I am I, because I think what we're talking about is what should be our expectations of reality. Mm-hmm. Our expectations of reality should not be this attempt to try and to perfect it, because as they say in Texas, that dog don't hunt. You know, there's meaning there's no such thing as perfection in that sense. And I think the pursuit of it makes us more anxious, makes us more tense, makes us more irritable, makes us more uh, disagreeable in general. And so for me, I think if for nothing else, but just an attempt to try to um, to try to make life better, I think that there are some things that you should be allowed to deal with and and move on from Um uh, because you're not getting paid. I mean, what do you care? I mean, yeah. I, yes, I know we're fans because you and I are both big fans. I'm a huge baseball fan. You're a huge football fan. We're fans. We get it. But ultimately, I just wonder what the end result is on this direction that we seem to be going, you know, trying to create perfection. It's just not the way it's supposed to be. Huh. It's not the way life is. Why would we expect it on the on the, the football field or the baseball field? Yeah, it's it's a psychosis, um, and you shouldn't expect the same level of accuracy. You know, catching a ball on the sidelines and you know looking at your toes uh, and that line of chalk or whatever. Uh, and compare that to doing open heart surgery. You know, where details matter, but not yeah. so much with 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 the toes on the sideline. Yeah, and I, I yeah, and it's just a, it's it's about what our expectations are or what they should be. And this is what has led us down this road. You know, I hope I'm not hopeful, but I hope that the sports can manage to rein it in, keep it in check. That's not been the that's not been the case historically of institutions, but you know, hope springs eternal. So I guess so. It's gonna lose me. I I turn off the television completely. I don't shut the power off in my house, but I'll turn the TV off. If there's a, a challenge to a play, not in football, but in basketball, because I think basketball, it, you know, it, it takes a long time to get the results. And, and I've, I'm not I'm done watching the game. So the challenge to call, they, they, even if it's a playoff game, TV's off. I'm done. Is that on, t- is that on TV? Basketball? Um, yes, you know, it is. Um, okay. But I, it, it seems to bother me more there than, than the other somehow. Um, but I but the same thing holds for football. I just you get a kind of a restroom break, go get some food, but I just turn the TV off and say, I'm out. Right. Hmm. Well, I don't know if there's any answers to this. I mean, I think, um, you know, with baseball, the other big thing that people talk about is pitchers hitting and, you know, 
I think if you play baseball, you should be, you should, you should have to hit, you know. I don't know if any of these things get solved. Clearly, baseball has drunk the Kool-Aid and they have gone completely to the designated hitter. So that ship has sailed. But, you know, maybe with some of these other things, there is, and, you know, on one hand, you can see an attempt to try to bring some, some sanity to the process. But, but in other areas, it looks like people have given up on sanity a long time ago and it's made everything worse. Just like these damn cars with all these bells and whistles that, you know, um, there's a writer who uh, I'm, trying, I'm looking at Matthew Crawford, who wrote a book about why we drive and talks about the notion of technology and cars today, de-skilling right. drivers. And, and, and you see it with technology in general. You know, you see it among students, their inability to be able to do things that students 40 years ago could do. And you see it among umpires and athletes and what have you. And even though these these men and women are at the peak of physical uh, prowess and they have abilities far beyond anybody 40 years ago, um, that they still are crippled by certain things. And I can't help but think that technology plays a role. So we've identified this and, it, and it's ruining our, ruining our society, as I said. <laughs> one, yet one more thing, ruining our society. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> That's it. That's just these things. So I'm, I'm mad as hell. I'm not going to take it in. <laughs> Is that your Albert Finney impersonation? I, I don't want to yell this early in the morning, but I'm, I'm yelling inside. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. All right. Fine. Very good. Well, um, we have more college football. Are you going off to watch Michigan, Ohio State, or can you gonna, not be bothered? I'm going to watch a little bit, but the, the actor was Peter Finch. I just have to correct you. Oh, about. Peter Finch. Okay. I'm sorry. I, I didn't want to leave that out there, but. Yeah, the Michigan-Ohio okay. State game, I'm going to watch that and, until there's a questionable call. And once again, I'm out. Or barbecuing something or anything. 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 Uh, start drinking or. <laughs> <laughs> All right. With that, we shall say adieu, Herr Dr. Bourgeois. Wiedersehen, Herr Miller. <laughs>